0: Once again, good morning, good to see you out there. If you're a guest, especially thank you for spending this Sunday before Christmas with us. Uh, We are going to gather a couple more times before next Sunday, tonight's memorial service. Going to be a great service with some worship, with some special music, some talks, from folks who are dealing with the loss of a loved one this time and maybe you're dealing with that we're going to give you a chance tonight to light a candle and speak their name uh uh, you know out into the uh the atmosphere out of the audience as we remember them and pray for them and of course don't forget uh christmas eve services on uh, friday evening okay are you ready you came to hear the word of god and Uh, I hope that's why you're here, and I hope that's uh, what you get uh, from being here. God wants to speak a word to you. This is the Christmas season. This will be our last Christmas message, and I'm happy to report that our our church is doing well. When I say church, I'm not just talking about St. Albans. The first Sunday of this month, I preached in our Taze Valley campus, and what a great work uh, we're doing down there. Thank you for... Uh, being a part of that some of you have been there and Brian Dillon's leading the charge there with a great staff last week I was able to preach in Beckley some great stuff happening in Beckley Uh, I love the uh, the the atmosphere down there in Beckley we're meeting in the convention center and things are things are going well we want to see some uh, some growth down there everywhere but uh, we're we're feeling pretty good about that and of course Marmette The other end of the county, I'll be there in a couple weeks and sharing with those good folks uh, down in Marmette. But today I'm here, this is the Sunday before Christmas, we're wrapping up our Christmas series, which is called Great Joy. We're going to talk about today why the good news brings such great joy. So we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2, if you have your Bible. Luke chapter 2 is the premier place in the Bible that has the Christmas story. It's where you get your nativity scene and shepherds and angels and camels and donkeys and all that stuff right there in Luke chapter 2. And I want to speak from this, uh, especially one or two verses, but I want to read the entire passage. But let me recap what happens here. If you remember the story in Luke chapter 2, Luke tells us, the good doctor, that caesar augustus put out and he issued a decree that the world's going to be taxed this is like april 15th for america how many of you like april 15th uh not really huh well this is this is the way they felt about it too it was kind of an inconvenience for them now, we don't have to uh, travel like they did. We have uh, so much with uh, electronics and inter- the Internet, and, uh, you know, they know who you are, trust me. Uh, they're watching you already, and they know if you pay in your taxes and paying the right amount. But in the first century, you had to go to your hometown, the town of your family, and register so that uh, Caesar and all the local leaders would know who you are and that you're still here, that you're still alive, We see your mark there see your signature and that you owe us tax money and that's how they funded the Empire that's how they funded the expansion of the Empire once they conquered a place they collected money from them they uh, wiped out the treasuries of those local places and then they kept pouring it into their military so that they could conquer more and more of the world it's the way it's happened uh, from the beginning of time and civilization so in this particular instance is, is what we're interested in because this is, this is the taxation that has to do with, with your debt, with my debt, if you know what I mean. And so Joseph had a very pregnant fiance, you remember, and he had to take her up to Bethlehem to register his family. And so that's what happened here. And when they got there, it was so full so many people there wasn't any room for them anywhere to sleep so as you remember the story they they went to the inn, the local establishment there and he said no room but you can have a place out back where i feed my animals in this stable and so that's what they did and they went there and as god would have it that's where she had the baby that's where she had the baby in this lowliest of places in this dirtiest of places in this uh, place where animals were eating or they were uh, passing through what they ate uh, my mind was searching for a word there it didn't come to me <clears throat> what they were living out there and this is where this is where god sent his son to be born incredible night we sing about it we're going to keep singing about it we imagine it we depict it in stories and movies and songs And the Bible says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news, here's our key verse, that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah The Lord, and this will be a sign to you, you'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, this is still out in the field, by the way, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now listen to this verse. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. And we'll get back to those last two verses in a moment. So the question we're asking today in this Christmas season... 2021 America, when you, if you're like me, the Amazon delivery guy has stopped at your house more times than you can count. Anybody with me there? Our poor mailman I know is tired of pulling into our driveway. You know, he can't drop all these stuff up, all these things off in in the box. He's got to pull in and hand carry it unless we catch him out there. And he told me the other day. He said, "Yeah, man, I love my job, but I hate this time of year." And so that's what we're doing to the mailman. We need to leave him a gift or something out there—some cookies or something. But do we really? Do, do we really need this good news today? I mean, is this still good news that causes great joy? And seriously, you have everything you need, you get everything you want, you order it, you go buy it, whatever it is. In America, we have the means to, to take care of ourselves, right? So is there anything really that could cause us great joy that is not related to me, that's not related to my needs and my wants? That's really what we're trying to get at today. Is there something about the good news of this angelic proclamation that has anything to do with me. I am doing fine, doing well. Do we need this good news? That's what the angel said. Don't be afraid. I don't know if you ever realized that every time an angel appears to a human, uh, they say this, don't be afraid. Why was that? Because the humans knew, especially the ones the angels were appearing to, the humans knew, these humans, that the Bible says no one can see God and live. You know, Moses had to hide his face. He had the Shekinah glory. And so they immediately thought, we're dead. We're dead. We just seen God. We're going to die. And the angel said, well, wait a minute. Don't be afraid. Get up. That's what the angel told John, the book of Revelation. Get up. You know, you you and me have the same kind of work to do here. We have the word to spread. And so the angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. You what was it about this good news? Have you ever gotten good news that wasn't such good news? I've told this story two or three times now, but I'll share it with you because I feel obligated to. But, um, you know, recently I heard, overheard some staff members talking about this incredible deal. Do you ever hear hear something that was so good? What, what did your dad tell you? If it sounds too good to be true, What? probably is. And so I overheard some staff members talking about this new car wash thing that's going on across the valley, you know, from Huntington, Taze Valley, Cross Lanes, Kanawha City, they're building one. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's the five-star car washes where you uh, pay one price and you wash your car as much as you want. I'm like, wow, that's too good to be true because, you know, I like to wash my car about once a month and I'd usually take it down to KO down in the, t- the valley, but bless their hearts, they're going to be put out of business now. I think. So I, I show up at this place. I'm like that. You know, I could really make some money this way. You know what I mean? You save money, you make money. Uh, that's what your wife tells you, right? Look, it's on sale. You're saving money. <laughs> Help me out, man. So, um, yeah. So I so I go and I and, and I, I pull in the inside lane. I get my. Uh, Information taken uh, runs my debit card i get my car washed. Looks great. Vacuum cleaners are free. That's good news, and uh, and then I go look at my bank account, and they hit me with twenty dollars charge, which is the lowest amount, plus the ten dollars charge. Uh, and what's that all about? So I looked at the literature, and it said twenty dollars a month. Then it says in small print, ten dollars per individual wash. I thought, oh I knew this was too good to be true they're going to hit me 10 bucks every time I go wash my car. This good news is not good news. I'm happy to say I've, I've gone two or three times now, and they haven't hit me again with the $10. So it must be the initial time they hit you with the $10. Can anybody give me a witness on that? Yeah. And so this is pretty good news. Pretty good news if you like to keep a clean car. If you don't, then don't worry about it. But is this good news good enough to cause us the joy that we have from this good news that we're talking about? Before I answer that question and show you why it is, let's look at these people who first received it. They were the shepherds. Socially and vocationally, these guys were at the bottom of the pile. They were the guys out in the fields. They were probably dirty. They were smelling of the nighttime fire. They had blood on their hands, maybe on their sleeves, on their their clothes from cleaning up a dead animal a, one of their own sheep or maybe a dead animal that they had killed they they weren't the guys you would invite to your party they they weren't the the most desirable guys they were they were out there you know they were a little eccentric when i went to uh, the Middle East, and I'm sure, uh, Preston, you guys have probably been in some of these places where they, they're shepherds, you know, they're out there, they're just walking around, they're not, you know, they just seem to be quiet, uh, you know, they didn't, they don't want to really uh, interact with a lot, a lot of people, they just, they're just doing their job, they're just out there, nobody's really paying attention to them, except when they come into the, when they come into the temple, when they come into the city, they bring their sheep to the temple, for sacrifice and for selling and for uh, you, you know for trade for supporting the temple system and they that's where they told their good news verses 17 and 18 say they went and told everybody and I think this was their first audience these people in the temple courts you know their temple wasn't like our church it's all cleaned up and and swept and you know everything's picked up when you come in but in the in ancient times it was a place of bloody sacrifice and the the smell of blood and burnt meat and that might not be a bad thing for us to have here today that would kind of be good wouldn't it but it was the the bleeding of sheep and also the bleeding of sheep and so that was all going on and that's that was their first audience, these shepherds. And you think about these shepherds, they were at the bottom of the pile socially and vocationally. This is not a job probably that their mothers aspired for them to become a, a, a lowly shepherd. Although David kind of made this a famous vocation before he became king. But king is more like what moms wanted their sons to do or or priests or prophet or something noteworthy but not a shepherd but isn't it just like god to use the bottom of the pile to give the message to first that's what god did i don't know if you remember who got the message first at the tomb but it was the women and they also women i'm only stating the facts here it's no personal feelings but they were at the bottom of the pile too in some ways i'm sorry Uh, aren't you glad things have changed today and you're in charge So, this is just like God to give these guys the message, the first message, the good news. And this word that's used here is uh, one word in Greek. It's the word euangelion, from which we get the word good. The prefix eu is a prefix we use today, like when we say a eulogy, someone's giving a good word, the word euangelion. Logi. Logi comes from logos, which is the Greek word for word. Somebody gives a good word about the deceased. This word, angelion, is the word we get angel from, but it, that's a what we call a transliteration. It comes straight from one language to another. Sounds kind of the same, but it meant message. It, it's a message. That's what angels were. They were messengers. So this is, the, the angel said, I bring you a good message that's going to bring great joy. And of course, from this good message word we get the word gospel that's where we get the word gospel the gospel is good word so I guess what I'm asking today is is the gospel bringing us great joy does the gospel still do something for you does it still excite you does it still move you does it still change you like it should why is the gospel such good news and why is this good news the cause of such great joy? In ver- the is in verse 11, where the angel said, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. There's three presents right there for Christmas. There's three reasons right there why great joy is still the result of this good news. Even in 21st century America, first of all, because he came to save us. Jesus came to save us. Again, speaking to a, an audience like we have today, that's not a big deal to us like it may be in some other parts of the world. That, you know, I don't, do I need to be saved? I mean, I'm doing okay. I've got food on my table. I'm driving a nice car. I'm living in a nice home. What do you mean save? You know, We have to, we have to explain to people what it means to be lost sometimes. We, we, have, to, we have to remind them what the, what the fate of the lost is before we can get them to understand and receive the gospel, the good news. The good news is, that, is, is, part of the good news is that you're lost. You're headed for a Christless eternity. We call that hell where there's, a, it's a miserable existence where there's no presence of God, therefore no love of God and no, uh, nothing of God. And I think that's hell. 2 Thessalonians 1, 9 tells us, And and we need to be saved. This is the greatest gift of all. Uh, You know, this is something that will affect you when you lose a loved one and you're not sure if they're saved. This is something that you'll think about as you get close to to your big day and you think about, am I saved? This is what we need, isn't it? We need a Savior. This is the, the... part of the good news that really gives us the great joy it's it's why Jesus came and it's why we celebrate today. C.H. Spurgeon used to tell a story about a a church in England where the they had a widow they had a, a lot of widows but they had this one particular widow who was in financial need and so the leaders decided the preacher would take a gift to this woman during the week to help her in her time of greatest financial need and and so the preacher went And he knocked on the door, but there was no answer. And he waited a few minutes, and then he knocked again, and there was no answer. And he waited uh, another time, and for the third time, he knocked on the door, and no one came to the door, and he thought it was kind of odd for her not to be there, uh, you know, in in the middle of the afternoon. So he took the gift back to the church, and on Sunday, he sees her in church, and he says, he says, I came to your house. I was bringing you a gift. We heard you were in need, but nobody answered, so I laughed. And she sheepishly looked at him and said, uh, what time, or when did you come? And he said, I came on Thursday. What time, she said, did you come? She, he said, I came at noon on Thursday. And uh, with an embarrassed look on her face, she said, I was home. I was home. She said, and I heard you knocking. She said, but I thought you were the landlord coming to collect the rent. And so I didn't answer. I didn't answer. And you know what it occurs to me that there are a lot of people, especially in our world today, who can hear the call of God, who can hear the knock of God on the door of their heart, but they're not answering because they believe somehow that God is showing up to ask something of them that they can't give. He's coming to collect something that they don't have. He's coming to expect something that they can't live up to, some kind of this life or that life, and they're not going to answer the door because they're not willing to change or they don't want to change or they think they can't change. You know, they're steeped in addiction or they're steeped in their and their own selfish pursuits and they they don't believe that they can measure up to what god wants from them and so they 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 can't be saved because they won't don't hear what i'm not saying because they won't turn their heart toward god you know god's not going to twist anybody's arm into eternity and if you reject god in this life if you don't want to have anything to do with him he will not force you to have anything to do with him in the next life and that's what i believe that's what i believe the bible teaches look we got to realize that jesus didn't come like a landlord to collect the rent he came to pay the bill like a savior he came to save the day to rescue us he came with the money he came with what we need he came to pay a debt he didn't owe Because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. You remember the old song? Hallelujah. What a Savior. Man of sorrows. What a name. For the Son of God who came ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Stand unclean. No one else could. In my place condemned he stood. His nearness now is my good. Hallelujah what a savior you see when when joseph was about to put mary away because he felt like she had been unfaithful to him the angel appeared and said mary uh, joseph don't do that to mary because mary's going to give birth to a son and you're to give him the name jesus because he will save his people from their sins and that's what jesus means it's the form of joshua he saves and you know, if we stop right there, if you just got this one gift for Christmas, wouldn't that be enough? I mean, isn't that enough that he saved us? He saved us. And so you don't have to, you don't have to be afraid when he shows up. You don't have to fear what's coming uh, on the day of judgment. You don't have to fear his wrath. He saved us. I mean, you are scot-free. Your debt's been wiped out that's a that's that's great joy isn't it i mean if you owed a great big debt i'm talking about tens of thousands of dollars like some people do on their credit cards or their student loan accounts or whatever it is their debt their autos their homes and someone came in and said i want to pay all this off for you would you see would you say oh thank you no, you'd tackle that person in joy and love like you just made the winning basket at the game. Great joy. I'm afraid in, here in America we don't grasp this like we should. This is great joy. How can we worship God with a ho-hum attitude? How, how can we sing praises to our Lord with a grim look on our face. Look, I don't know what you brought in here with you, but what you have in Jesus is good news for great joy. I wish you'd believe it. But that's not all that he gave us. He came to give us hope. You see, the angel said something else. The angel said, uh, today a Savior's been born to you. Savior, he came to save us. He is the Messiah, He's the Messiah. Now, this word Messiah is from a Hebrew word, uh, which means the anointed one or the chosen one. If you remember your Old Testament history, you know that God's people, you know, they really struggled from Abraham all the way through getting to to their superpower place, which was in the time of David, which is about 1,000 B.C. 1,000 B.C., David came to the throne. And uh, David was, uh, you know, he was God's anointed. He was God's man. He was the one God chose. The people chose Saul. He chose David, a man after his own heart. David wasn't perfect. David had his problems. But David led God's people to to become a world superpower. Solomon continued that, solidifying the borders Of this superpower by marrying the women from all those places now his problem was he allowed them to bring their religion in and that was a downfall of the kingdom and when the kingdom fell it fell hard and it fell fast Uh, Babylon Assyria and Egypt and all these people just had their way with Israel and it became nothing and the people were scattered and they were depressed and they were down and by the first century they had been beaten up for Oh, about a hundred years or so by the Romans, and before that, the Egyptians, and it was just a mess. And and so when they heard the word Messiah, they thought of David, because of the passage Taylor got excited about this morning. That was Isaiah. He was eight hundred years before Christ, and he said, "Don't you worry, because the Messiah's coming. He's in the line of David." So they were all like, David's our man. He was the one that made us a superpower. We need somebody like him. And God said to Isaiah and many other prophets, I'm going to send him to you. And so wrapped up in this word is a 1,000 years of hope and expectation that we'll finally have what we used to be. We'll finally be back where we ought to be. I don't have time to go into it. They kind of misunderstood the physical kingdom versus the spiritual kingdom. But when, when the angel said, the Messiah is here tonight, it no doubt created a lot of joy in them and hope God has not forgotten us. God has remembered us. It's been a 1,000 years, and now he's here. And I still remember the chosen episode when Andrew was telling Peter, His brother, Simon Peter, it's him. We know it's him. This is the Messiah. And first Andrew was like, yeah, really? Right. It can't be. It's like, we've been waiting for this too long. It can't be now. This is good news. Too good to be true, but it's true. It's really him. And he changed their life. God's not forgotten us. So we have hope. You know, what would life be like without hope? We're having this service tonight because uh, we realize there are a lot of folks in our congregation who feel hopeless. You know, this pandemic is a tool of the devil and maybe comes from the pit of hell. I think sickness and disease, all of it does. It's a result of the fall of man, sin. And I think it's being used in the church all over the world to steal joy and to steal hopelessness. And to hide us from ourselves, from each other, and we think we're hiding from God. You know, I can remember 10, 12, 15 years ago when everybody said, oh, 2020, we're going to have 20 new churches in 2020. 2020, our vision is going to be so good. And look at what the devil did in 2020. Look at what we let him do. And so a lot of people are living without hope, and it's not just in that big way, but it's because there's an empty chair around my table or it's because there's the guy who used to string the lights isn't here anymore we were coming home last night and we drove by the house in Winfield remember the house in Winfield with all the lights no lights this year and my wife said no there's no lights I said oh I wonder what happened she said I think he died I think he died you may know better I don't know but how sad how sad I've done some funerals recently, and uh, I think this time of year you have to really fight to keep hope alive. Really hope. Hope that there's going to be another day, a better day, a different day, a day with no more crying and no sorrow, no tears of any kind, no hurts, no aches, no pains. I was telling the first service, you know, my dad's 82, and I we went down to Mercer County yesterday to the family Christmas party, and uh, you know, he's had different aches and pains. Somebody asked me last service, What's his main problem? And I said, I don't know. I think it's everything. And, uh, and so I asked my dad uh, yesterday, I said, How are you feeling? And he said, I'm feeling pretty good. I said, Oh, really? Why are you feeling pretty good? What happened? He said, Well, I'm on pain medicine. And so, uh, we got that, don't we? Thank God for medicine, but can you imagine a day with none of that's necessary? What a day that will be. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Not just hope for eternity, but living with something right now that allows me to get up in the morning and, and have something to look forward to and a reason to live and a purpose to give my life to. And that's a great gift, Paul said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, that would be enough. He came to save us. He came to give us hope in this life. But you know what? He came for something else. The angel said, uh, he is the Messiah, the Lord. He came to lead us. This term Lord was used um, in earlier times. We don't use it really much today but in earlier times it was used as a term of respect for this person maybe they were a nobility or they might have been a teacher or something like that and used the word lowercase l lord lowercase l lord in matthew 8 when the leper came to jesus he called him lord he was showing jesus respect as a authority figure as a teacher as a as a leader and that's what i mean when i say he came to lead us the angel said he's going to be your lord you're not going to have to come up with your own plan anymore. You don't, have to, you don't have to dream up your own version of you or your future. You, you can follow him. That's what Jesus said, come follow me. I'll be your leader. I'll be your Lord. And so today in, uh, in America and in other places in the world, I'm sure we have this notion that Christianity is, uh, can be some of what I want and some of what he wants. But it can't be that way it can't be that way can it it has to be all what he wants none of what I want but hope you say wow what kind of a life is that the goal is for you to want what he wants that's the goal for you to want what he wants you know he's either lord of all or he's not lord at all what part of your life do you need him to lead you he's your lord we need leaders today In the New Testament, this word Lord kind of evolved into a capital L. It was a lowercase L, and then it evolved to a capital L because it's referring to Jesus. And in Acts chapter 2, we see it in its finest. Peter said, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. In Romans 10, Paul said, if you believe with your mouth, if, sorry if you declare with your mouth jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved he's a leader we can trust but we need some good leaders today don't we we need men and women who'll stand up wouldn't it be nice to have wouldn't it be nice one day to open turn on your news channel and and hear someone say you know what I understand what you're saying there, but uh, we believe the Bible, and, uh, and we believe God wants this, and this is where we're going. I could get behind a leader like that, couldn't you? Now, that won't happen in our country because, uh, you know, the devil is loose, and uh, people are choosing the wrong path, but it'd be nice to hear a leader say, uh, you know, we're, we're consulting God on this one. In fact, this is what God wants, and this is where we're going. I could follow a leader like that. I mean, it, it, he could make some mistakes. He could mess up. He could do some things, just like David, just like uh, every human leader does. But if he was trying his best to follow the Lord, to follow after God, to follow the Word of God, I could get behind that. Wouldn't that be nice? And let me tell you what many Christians are wanting today. They want a leader who's going to say what they want him to say. They don't want to, hear the popular, they want to hear the popular thing. They don't want to hear what's not popular. They don't want to hear the hard thing. You know, you've got to accept this today because this is just the way people are. Well, you know, we've got to let people be people, and if they want to do this or do that, let's just love them. Can we just love them and leave them alone? Yeah, we can love them. We must love them. But we love them too much to leave them alone. You with me? You might need to dissect that when you go home today because it's hard to love people you don't agree with and you don't believe they're living right. It's hard to love them without just affirming and accepting them. We must love them with the love of God which wants to redeem them. What's baffling to us, how God does this with a baby, but the Bible says God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And so I don't know about you, uh, we can't even vote on it, but uh, I just want to hear you affirm this Uh, Before I close, do you think this good news is still a source of great joy? Amen. Amen. I hope you're saying amen with all that's in you because it is, and it's the only hope we have. It's the best hope we have in this life for us, for our family, and for all those around us. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this good news, this good word, this good message that reminds us of why you came, to save us, to give us hope, to lead us in this life. We don't have to come up with our own plan. We follow you and see what you have for us. And that, that's what we're having Preston and Jersey here today to show us in their example that they're leading, following your lead and leading others in that way. And that's why we're having other people, Lord, that we're, we're encouraging in ministry and Doing things for you that maybe it's not going to make them rich; it might not put them at the top top of the pile, but God, it's going to put them at the top of your pile, and it, it, it's going to it's going to be pleasing in your sight when we follow you and do what you want us to do with our life. You're our leader; you're our Lord. That's my prayer in Jesus' name that it would be so. Amen. Let's stand and worship God before we.